8. And verse 14, 15, 16, and 17. Four verses. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. But you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs. Heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. Provided we suffer with Him in order that we may also be glorified with Him. Let's talk about assurance for a bunch of weeks, some weeks. When Freddie and I were in Mississippi last month, we visited a woman who lost her house to Hurricane Katrina. Of course, there were a lot of people there that lost their houses to that, but there was this one lady specifically. Lakeshore Baptist Church, the church we were there to help, is building this lady a new home, which has led to her attending this church. This is especially interesting because this woman is Catholic. Very interesting. But because of the expressions of love that have come from these Baptists in the aftermath of the hurricane, she and others like her have been drawn to attend there. Well, Freddie and I get there the first day, first full day, And we get this assignment to go visit this lady. So we tracked her down and we found her. And she took us inside her partially built new house. And as we stood in there, we began to engage this woman over spiritual matters. And I'll tell you this. With great enthusiasm, this woman said to us, I know that I am going to heaven. Well, we questioned her a little bit further. And again, with great confidence, she declared, I know that I know I'm going to heaven. What should we think of that? Is it good That people know they are going to heaven. Is assurance a good thing? Is it even biblical to think that people can know they are going to heaven? Hey, you know what? That is a legitimate question. Can we have a definitive assurance of our salvation? Now listen. According to the Roman Catholic website, SaintAquinas.com, the answer to that question is a resounding no. 
We cannot have a definitive assurance of our salvation. This same website quotes the Roman Catholic Council of Trent, which convened in the mid-1500s to oppose the Protestant Reformation. This council declared this. These are their exact words. If anyone saith that he will for certain of an absolute and infallible certainty have the great gift of perseverance unto the end, unless he have learned this by special revelation, let him be anathema. Council of Trent, 6th session, canon 16. The Roman Catholic Church believes that it is impossible to know with certainty that you are saved and will persevere to the end And if you do say you have this assurance, except you know through some miraculous revelation, they pronounce their anathema upon you. That means they curse you. This website, SaintAquinas.com, goes on to say this. Assurance of salvation is presumption upon God that we can infallibly judge the state of our souls. You know one thing this tells me? Our lady over there in Mississippi isn't a very good Catholic. She's sure about heaven and her own church curses her. So, again, I ask you, is it a blessed thing to have assurance or is it a cursed thing? And if people have assurance, why do they have it? What is... What is it that assures them? If assurance is a good thing, what should that assurance be based on? If it's not a good thing, why isn't it a good thing? Then, now this, this hits a little bit closer to home. Then the other day, I listened to a reform man preach on assurance. I mean, a guy that we would, we would consider to be right in our own camp of thinking as far as interpreting Scripture He's preaching on assurance right from here, folks. Right here. Romans 8, 15, 16. You know what this guy did? He concluded. Now, you will not find this in this text. But he came to this conclusion based on his own opinion about things. He concluded that most Christians do in fact struggle with doubt. He laid the doubting Christian out as the norm and then sought to persuade people that if they too lacked assurance, they only fit the norm and should take comfort in that fact. Lack of assurance ought to bring comfort to us. Isn't the whole point of these verses that comfort is found in assurance? Certainly not in the lack of it. You know what I'm convinced of? There is much confusion about assurance. What we need the Lord to do is shower us with a sweet understanding of the true nature of biblical assurance. So God helping us. I want to now, and I don't know how long this is going to take, but I want to set off on a quest in search of assurance. I want to begin our journey this morning by just simply asking six questions about assurance and seeking to answer all six with biblical answers. So, 
The first question. Are you ready for this? Question one, for keeping notes. Why even talk about assurance in connection with Romans 8, 14 through 17? I mean, that's a good question, right? Here I'm supposed to be preaching on these four verses. Somehow I'm talking about assurance. You can see in a quick greeting, the word isn't even here. In fact, it's not found anywhere in the whole book of Romans. I mean, maybe some of you are thinking, Brother Tim, you're setting your own agenda very nicely here. Taking us off into assurance has nothing to do with the text. Well, wait a second. Before you jump to that conclusion, the reason I'm dealing with assurance is, of course, because Paul is dealing with assurance here. Even if he doesn't directly use the term, it comes at us in every one of the four verses. And we'll look at that more in the future. But for now, just, just check out verse 16. Romans 8.16 The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. The very essence of biblical assurance is to have confidence that we are children of God. That we are saved. And verse 16 is all about the Spirit of God attesting to this reality. Bearing witness assuring us that we are children of God. Now listen. When the Holy Spirit assures us that we are God's sons and daughters, that has everything to do with assurance. That's what the Spirit's doing. Assuring. Telling us it's so. Bearing witness. Testifying to this reality so that we feel and sense and know with confidence that we are now part of of God's family. I hope this is clear to everyone. I hope you can see I'm not forcing my own agenda on this text, but that the very aroma of assurance is in the air here. Do you see that? At least in verse 16 it is, and I trust before the series is done you'll see it in the three other verses as well. Okay, so that answers that question. Why even talk about assurance in connection with this, these four verses? But now let's ask a second question. Can any Christian know for certain he is saved? This question could be asked any number of different ways. Can anyone know they're truly going to heaven? Can anybody know they're truly going to persevere to the end? Can anybody know truly that Christ died for them? Can anybody know truly that God has that very specific, particular love that He only has for those that He is Saved and taken to heaven. Can we know for certain we are in those everlasting arms? The question could be asked all these different ways. Can we know that for certain? You know what? We really don't need to move on from any other place than where we just were. Right there in Romans. 8 verse 16, right? Think about it, folks. The Spirit Himself gives us the yes answer. Christians can know they are saved. The way they know it is by way of the Spirit bearing witness. You see that? To bear witness means to confirm. 
If somebody bears witness in the court of law, it means they are giving evidence. They are giving testimony of something being the way they say it is. The Holy Spirit is not only instrumental in making us God's children, He is instrumental in making us aware that we are God's children. Listen to this and tell me, if this old man, the Apostle Paul, at the end of his life, tell me, was he aware that he was a child of God? I have fought the good fight, 2 Timothy 4.7. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Henceforth, now listen to this, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. Paul, aren't you being presumptuous? You haven't made it to the end yet. You're still alive. You're still this side of death. How can you speak with such confidence about things you haven't actually seen with your own eyes yet? About a crown of righteousness that will be awarded to you. You speak as though you already know this for certain. Folks, that's assurance. So it is possible that people in this life can be fully persuaded and confident with great expectation and full assurance that glory awaits them. Can men and women know with unmovable confidence that God is for them and eternal life belongs to them? Is it actually possible to go through this life without doubt and unbelief? Absolutely. Paul is proof of it. He could say in Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God. Listen to this. This is where His assurance is. Who loved me and gave Himself for me. Paul is certain that that is true. He didn't consider this to be presumption. So if nothing else... Paul proves that assurance is at least possible. Right? So to answer that question, can anyone truly know they're saved? The answer is yes. Because Paul knew he was. But this brings us to a third question. What about the rest of us? After all, the Catholic Church says you can't know unless you get it by special revelation. Well, Paul may have had it by special revelation, right? I mean, this guy went to heaven. He saw Christ. He spoke with Him personally. What about, what about the average Christian? What about those of us who have never had that kind of special revelation? So here's the next question. Can all Christians know they are saved? When it comes to assurance, is Paul unique? Does he possess something the Bible teaches us that only a select few will ever possess? In other words, is assurance Rare. Is it okay for Paul to have it, but presumption for the rest of us to have it? Again, Romans 8.16, we really don't need to go beyond there. Probably sufficient all by itself to answer this. I hope to answer it a couple of different ways here. Look, Look back at that text. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit. That we are children of God. Who is the Spirit of God giving assurance to right here? Speaking through the Apostle Paul. Is it just to Paul and other select individuals who have had special revelation? Well, who is the we? We is plural pronoun. Which means Paul is including those he's speaking to. You know who he's speaking to? 
This is written specifically to the church at Rome. You know what? They were normal Christians, just like the ones that make up this church here. Not super Christians, not some super elite category, not those rare birds with special enlightenment. He says confidently of them as a whole that if they are a child of God, the Spirit Himself attests to them of that reality. Do you see that? This is for all the children. Now listen, can all Christians know that they are saved? They not only can, they are required to know. 2 Peter 1.10 Brethren, be all the more diligent to make your calling and election what? Sure. sure. There's your assurance right there. When you're sure about something, that's assurance. Hebrews 6.11 We desire each one of you to show the same earnestness to have the full assurance of hope until the end. These two verses have three things in common. One, they are exhortations. They are admonitions to get assurance. Two, they are to all. Peter addresses brethren. The writer of Hebrew addresses, did you see that? He addresses each one of you. The third thing that's true is you're not only supposed to, as a Christian, have this assurance, but both of these say, listen to Peter's words, be more diligent. Listen to the writer of Hebrews. With this, show the same earnestness. Diligence. Earnestness. You're not only supposed to have it, you're supposed to seek it with passion. Brethren, I don't want there to be any doubt here at all about whether or not we should expect the average Christian to have assurance. If nothing has persuaded you thus far that we should expect the average Christian to have assurance, then you leave me with no option but to unleash the floodgate of 1 John. <laughs> Now you just listen to this and tell me whether or not you believe John expects us to have assurance that people are actually saved or not. 1 John 2, 3, by this we know that we have come to know Christ if we keep His commandments. 1 John 2, 5, whoever keeps His word in Him truly, the love of God is perfected. By this we may be sure that we are in Christ. 1 John 3, 10, by this it is evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. 1 John 3, 14, we know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brothers. 1 John 3, 18 and 19. Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. By this we shall know that we are of the truth. And reassure. There's assurance right there. Our heart before Him. 1 John 3.24 And by this we know that He abides in us by the Spirit whom He has given us. 1 John 5.13 I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. Do you get the idea? 
that John wants Christians to know and have assurance about something? If John had been sitting there at the table, there at the Council of Trent, and heard what they were saying, you know what he would have done? I don't think he probably would have remained sitting. He would have stood up and said to them, Are you blooming crazy? Can you possibly be so blind? Is it even possible you've read my first epistle and at the same time come away with the conclusion that assurance is presumption? John wrote this letter exactly for the purpose of giving God's children assurance. Over and over and over again, he emphasizes, by this we know, by this we are sure, by this it is evident who are the children of God. Just listen to the assurance of this verse. There are few texts in Scripture that are more precious than this. 1 John 4.16 We have come to know. We have, he's saying, we have this assurance. We have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. Folks, that is heaven on earth. Assurance. Knowing that God loves me. Should we expect the average Christian to have the sweet assurance and confidence? Oh, brethren. It is only when I can say, I am His and He is mine that I can relish in the joys of Christianity. How? How can the Apostle say to the Philippians, rejoice in the Lord, and again I say rejoice, unless they can rise up and say confidently, there is now therefore no condemnation for me. I mean, Christ, He looked at those disciples. Did He say, just, just walk around and, 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 and doubt and, and be in despair and rejoice and be exceeding glad? You know when we rejoice and we're exceedingly glad? It's when we know our names are written in heaven. It's when we know that. God wants His children smothered in His love. He wants them to know the security of that love. He wants us to feel that safety that we have in Christ. Pursue this, brethren. Be diligent. As Peter says, be earnest to the Hebrews. Those who walk around all full of doubts and uncertainties are never the ones who rise up and turn this world upside down for Christ. They're the ones who sit over in the corner forever and always examining themselves, sighing, wondering, fearful, uncertain. Those who boldly know they are in the Father's hand are the only ones who ever venture out there into the thick of Satan's domain and seek to lay their lives down for the name and for the sake of gospel and Christ. They're the ones that are going to do that. They're the ones that are going to go out. They're the ones who will lay down their lives. You know what? The people who one day think they're out and one day, next day, they think they're, they're in and out and in and back and forth. They do nothing, but they stand there quivering and questioning and useless. 
The Catholics can have that if they want it. As for me, give the assurance of 1 John. Give me the assurance of the Apostle Paul who knew that a crown was laid up for him. We need to be certain God is for us. We need to be certain we're not on any fool's errand. We need to be certain of triumph. We need to be certain that Jesus Himself is with us. That's what the Great Commission is all about. I will be with you to the end of this age. What do you want us walking around wondering and uncertain? and all? That's not what He wants. He wants you to know, I'm with you. Go! I'm there. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Know this. Be certain of it. That's where our strength lies, brethren. That brings me to a fourth question. Is it possible for true Christians to lack assurance? And that, of course, all depends on what we mean by lack. Folks, if we mean, is it possible for true Christians to be totally devoid of assurance? The answer is no. That's not possible. Now look, your experience here does not determine nor establish truth. It doesn't. Scripture alone. If we mean by lack that it is possible for our assurance to be shaken at times, the answer would be yes. That is possible. But listen to me. Hear me out here. Every child of God must indeed have some measure of assurance sometimes. Everyone. That's not to deny that assurance might not waver at times, for certainly it can. The writer of Hebrews would not have admonished the Hebrews to be earnest about full assurance unless they were wavering in their assurance and needed that admonition. I'm also not saying that there can't be seasons of darkness, seasons of confusion, seasons of uncertainty. But again, Romans 8.16 presses the truth of this matter back upon us. The text isn't suggesting that the Spirit of God might bear witness if we're children of God. It says that He does. And the Spirit of God is not impotent. In other words, if He means to bear witness to my sonship, you know, He's going to do it in a way that there will be no doubt about what He's trying to communicate to me. If you are a child of God, God Himself will communicate His love for you to you. That is not a question. It is not in question. Not if you believe the Bible. True Christians cannot lack that because the text says that they will not lack it. Now, you might grieve the Spirit for a season. And His witness-bearing may grow quiet for that season. But mark it, folks. This text, Romans 8.16, is not conditional. It's not questionable. And it's not inconclusive. 
The Spirit of God does bear witness with our spirit that we are children of God. But listen to this. If, in fact, we are children of God. That's important. Some may experience it more powerfully, more regularly, with greater frequency. But bank on it, folks. True Christians have some measure of assurance. No one goes to heaven without that confirmation. To deny that is to deny Romans 8.16. Now, fifth question. See, we're almost done. we just got two more. Can someone have assurance they are saved and be wrong and go to hell? I'm going to answer that right off with Scripture. Matthew 7.21 Not everyone who says to Me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of My Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to Me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in Your name and cast out demons in Your name and do many mighty works in Your name? Then will I declare to them, I never knew You. Depart from Me, you workers of lawlessness. Much could be said about this verse. But one thing that is absolutely clear is this. Many people, many, Jesus says, think they will enter the kingdom of heaven. Why do they think so? They prophesied. They cast out demons. They did mighty works. And you know what Jesus does not do? He does not say to them, oh, you really didn't do those things. That isn't even called into question. What's called into question is not whether these people had supernatural experiences. What's called into question is whether these people will enter the kingdom of heaven or not. They were quite certain they were saved because they thought that their experiences were evidence that they were saved. And Jesus, to their absolute horror, tells them they are dead wrong. Just because you are positive you are going to heaven doesn't mean you will. People have assurance for all sorts of reasons. Some of those reasons are good and some are fatal. The question that always needs to be asked is not whether you have assurance, but why. You have assurance. Assurance is great, but only if you're assured of what is really true. And the evidences that it is really true are there. And having a supernatural experience, you can tell right here, is not how many times people think they're going to heaven because they were healed. There are some people in here That when asked about why they believe that they are saved, they will refer to a supernatural experience. We get people off the street like that all the time. Folks, just because God did some kindness to you does not mean you're in. His kindness is meant to lead you to repentance, not guarantee you that you're on your way to heaven. There are biblical evidences, but it's important that that's what you're looking at when you have this assurance. Folks, That lady from Mississippi, the one who was so positive she was going to heaven, 
She confessed she had no confidence she was born again. Be very careful that your assurance comes from the Spirit of God and the Word of God. Assurance, certainty, and confidence are no guarantee that what you are assured of and certain about and confident in is really true. Listen, there is no more blessed person in all this world than the one who is a child of God and with great confidence knows he is a child of God. But there is no more cursed person in all this world than someone who believes themselves to be a child of God and is dead wrong. And folks, you can be wrong about a lot of things and they don't matter. But this matters. What makes your condition so cursed and so dangerous above the condition of even other lost people is that you don't think you need to be saved. Because you already think you are. You teeter on the brink of doom any moment to be plunged into damnation and all the while you're relaxed thinking everything is okay. Folks, be diligent. Be earnest for assurance. Just make certain you draw your assurance only from the God-given wells of assurance. We're going to talk a whole lot more about that in the weeks to come. That brings me just one last question, folks. What should I do if my assurance is weak and wavering? What if I think I'm saved, but I'm just not certain? What if I'm like the man with the demonized son? Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. What if assurance is lacking altogether? You have none. You hope you'll go to heaven. You want to go to heaven. But you have no idea at all whether you will or not. To all of you that fall short of full assurance, I want to give you hope. The Bible definitely deals with this. The Hebrew Christians were exactly in this state. They were wavering. They were uncertain. They were tempted to go back to their old ways. The writer of the letter to these folks does not come to them and say, hmm, you know what you need? You need a long, protracted study of the moral law. Now, folks, I don't knock the Ten Commandments. I don't knock self-examination. They're biblical. But the writer to the Hebrews, when people are lacking assurance, doesn't say what we need to do is now hit you over the head with the, with the law of God. What you need to do is perpetually examine yourself. You need to become hyper-introspective here. And that, that, this, is, this is how you're going to cure your assurance problems. Twice. In this letter to the wavering Hebrews, they are told this. Hebrews 3.1 Holy brothers... You who share in a heavenly calling, listen to this, consider Jesus, the apostle and high priest of our confession. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2, let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking 
Not to the Ten Commandments. Not looking in the mirror perpetually at myself. Looking to Jesus. That's where we must look. The founder and perfecter of our faith. Let me tell you something. If you don't have assurance, it's because the Spirit is not bearing witness. Jesus said of this very Spirit in John 16, 14, He will glorify Me. The Spirit blesses God's people with assurance. I'll guarantee you this, only in ways that Jesus Christ is glorified. That means our assurance will always come to us in such a way that our Savior is made the focus. It's absolutely no wonder that in some circles, assurance is lacking. It's lacking because it's constantly under attack. It's lacking because people are looking for it while not looking to Christ. Whenever the emphasis is the law and not Christ, assurance will lack. Where the preaching of the cross is thought to be for unbelievers. And it's just, it's, it's too low a thing for the Christian. We have to go up to more profound doctrines. We leave that teaching of the cross aside. Folks, there are people that think that way. And where you think you've got to move up to some higher level than the cross of Jesus Christ once you're saved, in those circles, that assurance lacks. When Christians are pressed all the time and forever and always to be introspective and looking inside and examining themselves, I realize that's a biblical concept and to the degree that Paul calls for it, it is good and profitable. But there's these people, all they do is look at themselves, look at themselves. Look, You can look at yourself for 10,000 years, folks, and all you'll find there is failure and doubts and uncertainties. You gotta get your eyes off. And folks, you get this, the poor Christian, you beat them with the law all day long, having examining themselves all day long, looking there, looking there. Folks, we've gotta to look to Christ. That is where the glory is. That is where the perfection is. That's where our hope is. It's only to be found there. See Him as John, you've got to baptize me. I'm here to fulfill all righteousness. He's wrestling in the garden. I've got to do my Father's will. He's sweating. You see Him at the, at the well in Samaria. He's weary. Christ wearied Himself. He sweat Himself. He labored Himself to earn a righteousness that you and I could never work out, that we could never labor for, that's impossible for us to achieve. And He earned it. In Him there is righteousness. In Him there is glory. In Him there is our safety. In Him there is our security. In Him is where you find your assurance. That's where you put your eyes. Why do you think our songs are so bathed in Christ? That's not by mistake. I'll tell you this, folks. You find the churches that have the most joy and you will find the churches that have the most assurance. And they're not always necessarily the ones that have the greatest, highest, most profound and eloquent doctrine. There is nothing more profound than the Gospel, than the cross, than justification and regeneration and atonement. 
And this is where we need to fix our eyes. That's where your hope will come from. It doesn't matter if you are lost in this place and that's why you lack assurance. It doesn't matter if you're a Christian that has somehow got steered away and your eyes are off Christ and that's why you're wavering and that's why the Spirit isn't making that that a reality to you. If you're somewhere, you're, you're coming, maybe you've been drawn, you, you think you may be saved, you're not certain, something's happened in your life, but you want that thing confirmed, I'll tell you all, your solution is found right in the same place every single time. You've got to consider Jesus. You've got to look to Jesus. You've got to see Him there working out this obedience. He grew in this obedience. He was a son and he learned obedience. It was never imperfect. But it became fuller and fuller expressions of that obedience and complete surrender to his father. And for that reason, the father could look at him and say, I am well pleased in him. That's where, folks, when your eyes are there, that's where your assurance comes from. I'll tell you this, Romans 5, 5. God's love pours into our hearts by this Holy Spirit. You want to know about the Holy Spirit confirming assurance? Confirming to you that you're a child of God? Romans 5.5 5 says God's love. This is what the Spirit does. He pours that love into our hearts. And what is that love? Romans 5.8 God shows His love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You know what? When the reality of that being done for you becomes to you a real expression of God's love for you, that is the blessed witness of the Spirit that you are a child of God. If you would have assurance Focus your eyes on Him. And I guarantee you, I guarantee you this, you look to Him, you set your eyes only on Him, you will have assurance. It will come. It will. Amen. You're dismissed.